Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Okay, have a laugh on me. The other day I was reading, I came across a word that I thought was juice and then realized, no, no, it's the word guys. (laughs) I don't know why I read it as juice. Don't know. I want the context of the sentence. (laughs) I didn't write that down. That's unfortunate. (laughs) I'm trying to forget the trauma. Today we'll be discussing The Duchess and the Cowboy by Deborah Erfurt. Lady Jane has everything. A nice estate, pretty dresses, dutiful staff, and a husband she gets along with. But one day, her brother-in-law stages a duel with her husband, robbing her of her safe lifestyle. Jane decides to escape her nefarious brother-in-law by moving to Nevada, where she meets Cowboy Heath, who has his own issues. They become friends, but will their differences in social class and cultures stand in the way of falling in love? There will be spoilers beyond this point. So, Erica, do you think Jane loved her husband? No. Well, (laughs) she (laughs) loved him like a daddy. (laughs) Okay, I got my answer. Don't you think? Kind of? Yeah. (laughs) Like, she wasn't in love with him. No, I think they were companionable. Yeah, and he took care of her like a daddy. This is true. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, it does sort of inform what she must think romantic love is. Yeah, well, there's a point in the story where she questions, oh, is this what attraction feels like? I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) so that kind of (laughs) anyway that's my question (laughs) that that's that's good yay i I guess i'll give some context to that (laughs) yes context is your area this story is set in the late 1800s so like victorian era slash old west era and it is indeed a victorian era meets old west era sort of romance which is partly why i wanted to read it i thought that was kind of interesting hadn't read one of those before yay so jane grew up a lady in england part of the aristocracy and she's the only daughter of her family and she is married off to a duke who was 25 years older than her and danced with her twice and then offered for her hand as one does in (laughs) that time period in that place. So romantic. Uh Uh-huh. Jane's family convinced her to accept the match because money. It was good for them (laughs) and her. You like pretty dresses, don't you little girl? She she had wanted to marry for love, but quickly realized, no, this is fine. I'm okay with it. And her husband, Henry, was very kind to her, and they eventually grew to love each other. Yay. They'd been married about two years and have yet to produce an heir, which is very sad and also appalling. How dare. Yes. That's the whole point of getting married, after all. Gotta make sure that wealth stays in the family. Because it can't go to Jane. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, yeah, women are basically chattel in that 
area during that time period. Uteruses and window dressing. Anyways. (laughs) For whatever reason, her brother-in-law, the younger brother of the Duke, Grayson, really likes to nitpick about this air thing. And it really upset Jane one day. And so the brother-in-law and Henry decided to have a duel. Henry was going to kill his own brother over this. And it's a winter morning and they're standing out with their pistols. And Jane has snuck out of the house so that she can watch. Even though Henry is an accomplished shot, she's still worried about him because his brother is slimy AF. She has good reason to worry because she hears two shots and her loving husband falls over. He's been hit, critically wounded, and he dies shortly thereafter. Jane is grieving, but she's also suspicious because she heard two shots. But when she and her brother, Christopher, go and check out the dueling pistols, they discover that only one of them discharged a bullet. Dun, dun, dun. Basically proving that there was something behind the scenes going on. And Jane recalls that she had seen Grayson's uh, valet, I believe, Cuthbert, join him after the duel. She didn't see him before. And so she suspects that this was all a plot of murder. But can they do anything about it? No. Because the police don't do anything for the aristocracy, and the aristocracy don't trust them. Well, they do something in that they stay out of it. (laughs) Well, I guess there's that, yeah. Christopher is worried about Jane's safety, but he doesn't really have a whole lot of power either, because Jane belonged to her husband. (laughs) And is now part of her husband's estate. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so that happens. I don't know. That was tricky for me. I don't know about that exactly. Like, when her husband died, like, she wouldn't stay the Duchess, I don't think. No, um, she would be... She'd be like a dowager or... Yes. Her role would transition, but she still is on the mercy of her husband's family, essentially. Yeah, because Grayson's whole thing is, like, he wants to own her and the estate and everything. Yes. And Grayson comes to tell her that after all this happens, he requests a private meeting with her, which is just unheard of. He tells her that he plans to marry her once she's out of mourning. And he tells her that they will not be strangers on their wedding night intimating that he will be coming at some point to her bed this freaks jane out yeah that dude has problems yes we don't really understand grayson's motivations aside from he wants jane and he wants to be duke that's what it is (laughs) yeah it was almost like he thought he needed jane to be you know it was this weird thing i'm like no dude you don't you literally don't need her for anything i don't get the obsession i think he was just creepily obsessed with her because there's a couple points during the book where it's kind of dropped in here and there that he would like leer at her when he Mm. came over and he was just kind of like into her Mm. i think it was that 
more than... I thought it was just he wanted everything that his brother had. Like, he felt it was due him. And she was just one more thing. I think that's part of it, too, actually. But, I mean, he was covetous of her because she's so beautiful. Oh. His brother gets all the cool stuff. And he wants the cool stuff. Gotcha. Including the beautiful wife. Hmm. Who he can then mistreat, apparently. Because he's gross. So gross. (laughs) Jane goes to her brother, tells him all this, and then confides that she has a plan. She is going to move to Nevada. (laughs) And her brother's like, um, excuse you, what? (laughs) Jane says, well, I have my dowry because Henry gave it back to me. And I have my jewelry. And I'm just going to leave. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's just so funny because Grayson's like, you will be ruined. And she gives zero fucks. Well, she does give fucks because she's leaving, you know, yeah. but yeah, she's she's not really concerned about being ruined necessarily. She just doesn't want to be under his thumb. Yes. Because he is horrible. Yeah. Oh, and it should be mentioned that Jane's like 21. So she's not she, she hasn't been an adult very long. <laughs> no. Her, her brother, Christopher, says, but you don't even know how to dress yourself. You don't know how to cook. You don't know how to do anything. How are you going to manage? Jane says, I'll figure it out. And by figure out, I mean bring people who will do those things. And she doesn't intend that, though. That's true. She says, I'll figure it out. I'm going to buy some land because I hear in America women can do that. And that sounds pretty fucking awesome to me. Well, Jane's household staff are so gossipy and of course they know this they've heard all this and it spread about the house like wildfire (laughs) (laughs) they approach her and say oh jane we would like to go with you don't leave us here with him (laughs) sounds good guys let's figure that out she also has this grand plan to bring her horse two horses i guess her horse and the horse's mate doesn't she want to race them or just breed them she wants to breed racing horses and race them gotcha because that's what her husband wanted to do right that was a dream of his yes and the whole reason she picks nevada is because her husband kind of got her into it because he wanted to go to nevada they had had plans to journey there at some point it's kind of sweet, really, but I, I mean, it makes sense. She doesn't really have a whole lot of worldly knowledge. So she's just like, yeah, I'll do what my husband thought. That's a good plan. I'll figure it out. If it was good enough for him, it should be good enough for me. Well, I don't think she was in love with her husband. She definitely trusted him and valued his judgment. Yes. Christopher is very gallant and he says, well, I'll go with you, Jane. I will protect you. Jane says, but don't you have stuff here? And Christopher says, no, I'm a second son. I have nothing. I want to come along. (laughs) Jane says, cool, you can come. And she's really happy about it. So Jane and her household and her brother pack up all their shit and they take a boat to New York City to the U.S. of A. Woo woo. And they disembark. And now everyone's standing around going, well, I don't know what to do. (laughs) We're here. (laughs) Now what? (laughs) We have no contacts. 
<laughs> and we can't Google anything. <laughs> Jane says, it's fine. We'll find somebody. And they do. They find a banker guy. I love that they, like, managed to find a reputable banker just randomly. Yeah, this is very convenient. <laughs> there were so many people that preyed on those coming off the boats with no knowledge or plan. Nope, none of them. <laughs> nope. The banker guy takes her to the bank, sets up an account for her. She's obviously super wealthy. He's very impressed that she's a duchess. <laughs> Which... Oh my god. Were you face palming when she kept throwing around that duchess thing? Granted, she wasn't so much throwing around, but everybody else was. Yeah, everyone else was. Like, can you guys not keep a secret? No. <laughs> She's trying to be incognito over here. I was sitting there going, oh my god, they're so dumb. <laughs> Someone wants to kill me. We need to keep a secret. <laughs> No, nope. not kill, but marry and rape and whatever else. Yeah. But yeah, let's just leave not just breadcrumbs, but like loaves of bread out. <laughs> I was just like, they'll stop, right? Like once they get on the train, they'll stop because at least then that's some distance or something. Nope. <laughs> Giant neon arrows <laughs> pointing west. <laughs> you expect the bad guy to show up. You're like, they'd have to be super incompetent if they don't follow this no jane just has a run of really good luck because <laughs> the banker also happens to know of some land that's for sale in nevada and arranges for the owner of said land to come visit with jane and broker this deal and she also meets this just by happenstance newly graduated surveyor who wants a job and will come with her and make sure the land is good and whatnot. She's definitely one of those people that's like, oh, everything just always works out. The land is being <laughs> sold by this older woman who is a widow. She just wants to move to France. That's all. There's nothing wrong with her land. She's just sick of it. And she wants to live in France. <laughs> Jane has this fancy duchess necklace. And I say duchess necklace because it has some special symbology on it that designates it as the type of necklace a duchess would wear she plans to sell it to buy the land she does meet a disreputable jeweler who tries to lowball her but then the lady selling the land is like no that seems like a fair trade i like that necklace <laughs> sounds good <laughs> so she pays for the land with the necklace and matching earrings yay yay they all get on a train and journey to Carson City in Nevada. When she gets off the train, she's met by... Santa? Three... Three... <laughs> I know, it's been a while. <laughs> three prestigious men with uh, interesting facial hair. Not like Santa. They have mustaches. <laughs> Walrusy mustaches. That feels like that could be a Santa thing. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is the mayor of carson city he is super thrilled that they have a duchess among them Shh, keep a secret dude so they're resting up they're arranging to get the horses and carriages that are part of the land that jane bought and pack up all her stuff and 
go off to their new home. Meanwhile, let's talk about Heath. Yes, because he finally gets introduced in Chapter 5. Uh-huh. He's great. <laughs> Heath is the oldest son of a rancher who owns the land right next to Jane's land. They ranch cattle, and they've been having issues because they haven't had enough food for their cows. They took out a mortgage on the property, and the mortgage is coming due, and they haven't been able to recoup enough money in order to pay it off. And if their cows all starve to death, then they definitely won't be able to pay it off. Heath has convinced his dad that he and his brothers will go to Arizona and pick up some feed for the cows, so at least that'll happen. His dad has reluctantly agreed, and he and his brothers are conveniently also in Carson City when Jane arrives. Heath has, I guess, a tragic backstory. It doesn't feel very tragic the way it's written it. I don't know. But he went off to college in Boston and met a woman, Joanna, and they fell in love and got married and had a baby named Jocelyn. After college, Heath moved his then-pregnant wife to the ranch, and Joanna never really got with country life, I guess, and she just kind of got sick and died after a while. Sucks to be her. I think after four years or something. Yeah. So Heath has a daughter, Jocelyn. She's four years old, and that's basically all you need to know about Jocelyn. <laughs> He loves her. He's a great dad, supposedly. I don't know. His sisters and mom take care of Jocelyn. It's fine. <laughs> Is there anything else important about Heath? I don't know. He feels guilty about the whole money thing. He yeah. feels really guilty about it. Because it was his idea. He had his fancy business degree. He thought he was going to handle all the finances. And then all of a sudden, shit hits the fan. And they might lose their ranch. And he feels like it's his fault. Even though... It was just a crappy winter that fucked them over, as it does and did. One of his horses is hurt and is staying, like all the horses that they had with them are staying with the horses that belong to Jane. And Heath and his brothers are off getting some food and cleaning up and whatnot, while Jane and her people are getting all loaded up and on their way. When... Heath realizes that his injured horse is missing and wait a second, all his horses and carts and whatnot are missing. He kind of freaks the fuck out, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy working at the livery says, oh yeah, oops. I told them they could take mine, but I think they didn't realize that they weren't all mine. Because in addition to the horses that belong to Jane, they also borrowed some horses from the livery guy. Heath is like, well, crap. He hops on a horse and rides after Jane's procession. He's really mad. And when he catches up to them, Jane has stopped everything. And she's tending to the horse with the injured leg because Jane knows horses. She understood. Oh, wait, no. This horse has a bad leg. We can't make them pull heavy things. It will make them lame, which is cool. Yay, Jane. But he rushes up on there and he just looks all angry and it kind of surprises her and she passes out. 
Jane hasn't been feeling very good lately either. So the whole journey was really hard on her and she's been kind of wasting away. She's not had a very good appetite. She's been feeling kind of ill. It was a really hot day. It's been a very strenuous journey. And then all of a sudden this crazy cowboy rides up. I mean, (laughs) she's just like, ah, (laughs) she wakes up in Heath's arms because of course he caught her. And she kind of likes it there, but then realizes, oh, wait, this strange man is touching me. Ah, where's my brother? Save me. (laughs) My honor. Propriety. Oh, no, manners. Her brother is pretty awesome in the story. He is very good at being a caretaker for Jane. He's constantly interceding on her behalf to protect her and whatnot. He's doing his job as aristocratic brother. Yep. And you can tell he really cares about his sister, too. Yeah, He wants her to be okay. They have even had a talk at some point about how maybe she'll find love out here in the West. He doesn't seem bothered at the fact that Jane might fall in love with a common person. Doesn't bother him at all. He's just kind of cool. I don't mind Christopher. He's fine. I don't know if you put in your notes, but like I put that. So Jane and Heath meet in chapter eight. Oh, <laughs> Because I was just like, well, are they going to completely miss each other? Because the story is only like 21, 22 chapters long. Oh. (laughs) So yeah, like a third of the way through. It's like, oh, okay. I thought they might miss each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It didn't really hit me as odd, I guess, because... We needed all that setup. I guess. I guess we could have had the setup in a different way, but we needed a reason for Jane to be there. Yeah, I know. I just, I guess I'm used to stories being structured differently, especially ones that are, you know, written by contemporary writers. Even if they don't meet sooner, like, again, we don't even meet Heath until chapter five. Yeah. I was like, okay, and where are they? (laughs) Where what what's going on? <laughs> Nothing, as it happens. <laughs> oh, it hurts because it's true. So Heath is kind of jazzed to find out that Jane has purchased the land next to him because he's tried multiple times to strike a deal with the prior owner, the husband of the widow that Jane bought the land from to feed his cattle over there because they have a ton of property with awesome grass and he doesn't use it. And Heath is like, I could use it. And he's like, no, get off my land. (laughs) He seizes upon the chance to strike a deal with the new owners. And so he wants to ingratiate himself to Jane and Christopher. He tries to kind of do that right now. But Jane is like, well, I'm really tired. So... I agree that your cows can eat on my land, but I want more from you than just you helping me get home like you offered. So we'll have to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, And then she goes to bed because she's fucking tired and she doesn't feel good. And I don't blame her. (laughs) Nope. It's been a long journey. He helps Jane and her crew get home to her new home and get all settled in. He's kind of worried about Jane because she's not feeling well. And he decides he's going to get the doctor to check her out for her without her permission or her brother's permission or anything like that. Heath is like, you know what? I know what's best for Jane and I'm going (laughs) to do this thing. 
That happens. The doctor checks her out, decides, well, she hasn't been eating enough. She needs to eat more. That's the problem. (laughs) And fucks off. Heath and Christopher kind of become friends. Over the next few days, Jane sleeps in, but Christopher is up and about and he's kind of looking for a purpose in life. He's one of those aristocratic lords that doesn't really have anything to do. He's a second son, so he's not gonna have his own estate. He was on the marriage market, but really didn't meet anyone that it stuck with. And he just doesn't really know what he's gonna do. And he thinks, well, you know what, I don't mind it here. Maybe I'll be a cowboy. And he thinks that's grand. And they they get along really well. Nice. Yeah, nice and easy. One thing that does bother Heath, though, is that Jane keeps sleeping in in the morning. (sighs) Every time he comes over to have a talk with her about their deal, she's asleep and her servants put him off. How dare. And he gets really, really pissed off one morning and bypasses the servants, breaks into her room, throws her out of bed, yanks the curtains off the rod. Okay, Hulk. And tells her that she needs to... Be a pioneer woman now, damn it. Or she'll fade away and the land will eat her alive. Just like my dead wife. I have issues. And then he leaves. And Jane thinks to herself, you know what? He's right. I should get up in the morning and be a pioneer woman. Good call, Heath. <laughs> yeah. Jane tells him that the second part of the deal is that she wants him to help her out touring the land. And he agrees because he thinks she's hot and wants to hang out with her. She meets up with her surveyor who's been doing his job. Go him. Yay. Her brother and they all go on a nice horse ride touring the land, trying to see all the cool stuff that she bought. Oh, here are the mountains. And oh, look, here's a hot spring. We could build a resort here. That's cool. Oh, here are the silver mines. That's great. I don't really care about that. I'm already rich as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. Here, here's a silver mine with some duels abandoned. Let's stop here and check it out. <laughs> and they do. And Jane sees a snake on the ground and thinks... Huh, I wonder what it feels like. And she re- she goes to lean over to pet the snake. And it's a fucking rattlesnake and it strikes at her. And she's very fucking lucky that she's wearing big old floofy dresses with all sorts of layers on them because it misses. Heath shoots it dead. Poor snake. And admonishes her. <laughs> Dumbass, <laughs> don't pet the rattlesnakes, okay? <laughs> they will kill you. He almost kisses her, too. There's this moment. I don't know if it's right then, but there's some point around this this time where he almost kisses her. And Jane's like, yeah, no, you better not do that. <laughs> and then he tells her that if a guy gets too fresh with her, she should smack him in the face. She's just like appalled. Why would I hit someone? That's crazy. They continue their tour and they meet a miner named Abner. He initially seems like a really unfriendly guy. He's got a gun pointed at them, but Jane doesn't care. She goes and talks to him and is like, oh, are you a renter? You owe me money. You can come to dinner after you take a bath and we'll talk about it. And Abner's like, oh, okay, sounds good. Thanks, lady. 
They also discover a dead miner. They find another mine that looks abandoned. Jane comes across the corpse of that dude. So that's great. It's a very exciting day and they go home and Jane's tired and she's just kind of pumped from her pioneer lifestyle. She's excited. She likes Heath. She thinks he's hot, but she's just not, I don't know. She just doesn't want to be with someone. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand her perspective. Maybe it's because it's unbecoming. He's a commoner or something. Maybe she's stuck on that. Is she still technically in mourning? Yeah, she is. There's that too. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Good memory, Em. <laughs> I had no recollection of that at all. Well, I know it's like a certain time period. So, and yeah, I think that's when she's like still wearing black and stuff like that, if memory serves. One day, Heath's mom and sisters and daughter come to visit Jane. They all get along, especially Heath's second oldest sister Priscilla who's like 16 or 17 and she's super into Jane Austen novels and is just thrilled to meet a real lady real duchess they have tea together I believe and then Jane and Priscilla kind of make a fun agreement where Jane will teach her to be more of a lady and Priscilla will teach her more about like the social norms of the west so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, trade-off. Uh, not a lot really came of that, unfortunately. I would have liked maybe some lessons or some idea that Jane was learning about social norms of the West. I mean, she doesn't need to. She just has what's-his-face to tell her everything she's doing wrong. And she's got the money to pave the way, too, so. Yeah. All, all the people in Nevada pretty much think it's amazing. Oh, wow, a real duchess. Ooh. Mm-hmm. They're very impressed with it. Not a secret duchess. <laughs> so after the family leaves and everything, Jane has a talk with her maid, Ella, about how her clothes aren't fitting properly. And she thinks, oh, well, I've been eating a lot more since we got here. And Ella says, oh, well... Maybe you're pregnant, though, because I don't think you've had a period in a while. And Jane's like, what? <laughs> she has a bit of a mental crisis when she learns that she's pregnant, though, because she starts to doubt herself. Up until this point, she's been totally happy with her decision to move to Nevada. But now she's worried it was the wrong choice because she has to think about the baby, the future Duke. Yeah. But she likes it in Nevada, so she's going to stay. <laughs> One day, Jane and Christopher and, I don't know, maybe some other people go into town and Jane is shopping and she overhears a couple women gossiping about Heath. And they kind of make it sound like he's kind of maybe not the type of man she should get associated with. Maybe he's a bit of a rake. Heath has told her that kissing isn't the same in the u.s as it is in england yes it does not come with the same level of commitments yes however she doesn't want to be with a man who just kisses anyone that's just appalling she also thinks maybe she saw cuthbert but she reassures herself oh no i'm just feeling upset i'm too well hidden <laughs> it's just my lady brain making me think things <sighs> she and christopher go to have lunch in town and while they're eating, Heath's mom and sisters show up and join them. 
They talk about the upcoming 4th of July celebration. That's really exciting. It's a big deal to the area. There's going to be a rodeo. There's going to be fireworks. It's amazing. Jane should definitely come. And then Priscilla happens to let it slip that, and this might be the last year we get to go. Jane's like, well, why is that? And Priscilla mentions that they might be losing the ranch due to the mortgage not being paid. Carlotta, the mom, shuts her up pretty fast and everything, but Jane just kind of files that away. Huh, money troubles? I might be able to help with that. I don't want Heath to move away. I like him. Maybe I I like him more than as a friend. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want him to leave, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but who will uh, tell me that I'm doing everything wrong then? No one else will because they all either respect her duchessness or are impressed by her duchessness. <laughs> that evening, the sisters and Jocelyn, Heath's daughter, come over to visit some more with Jane and cut flowers from the hothouse that Jane has. They kind of hang out and talk and it gets kind of late. And then Jocelyn is asleep on the couch and Jane and Priscilla go to cut some flowers. And when they come back, they realize that Jocelyn has wandered off alone and is missing and they can't find her. And so they all split off and start calling for her. It's cold, even though it's the end of June, it was a really rough winter. And so the locals wouldn't be surprised to see more snow, even in the middle of summer. It's freezing ass cold. Jane is searching for the daughter, calling her name, happens to find her. And she's freezing ass cold as well. So Jane wraps her up and is holding her and trying to warm her up but is freezing because she's not wearing appropriate weather gear. <laughs> and she's lost now. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> she's lost. So, crap. Heath is there. I think he's coming to get his sisters and everybody back home because it's kind of late. And he realizes that, oh no, Jane is missing and Jocelyn is missing. So he rides off to find them and he ends up finding them rescuing them it's fine that's really the only reason jocelyn exists in the story i think Heath seemed almost like more upset that jane was like freezing than jock I, I don't know it's like this whole weird thing or maybe that made him like jane more because she protected jocelyn to her own detriment maybe like maybe that was the point oh she she protected my daughter yay but i don't really get like a whole sense of why this is part of the story at all there were several different things where I was just like, but I don't get why they are choosing this or making this choice. When they get back to the house, everyone's all super relieved. Oh, good. You found them. And then her servants and Christopher are all worried about Jane. And I think it comes out that Jane is pregnant at that point. And Heath is like, holy crap. And then Christopher calls Heath out on how he's been acting around his sister. <laughs> so... What are your intentions for my sister? <laughs> are you in love with her? <laughs> Do you want to be with her? I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I made it sound creepy, but it's a sweet <laughs> conversation. Christopher is like, yeah, I would love to have a brother that I was actually friends with. Implying, you know, if you became my brother-in-law, that'd be cool, man. Heath checks in on Jane and Jane finds out that he knows that she's pregnant. And she's kind of upset about that. She's really upset. That everyone knows all her secrets. Like She has the most horrible gossipy staff 
on the planet, you would think that they'd have a little discretion, but they do not. Nope. But Heath doesn't care that she's upset. He just kind of shines her on and then says that he's going to be riding in the rodeo at the celebration. And after that, there's a big dance and he'd like her to come with him. And Jane's like, yeah, I know. That sounds good. And then they finally kiss. And it's just wonderful. It makes her breathless. Um, Christopher's there because chaperone. (laughs) And now they're officially courting and everything's lovely. Or is it? Dun, dun, dun. The next day, Jane is thinking about this mortgage problem that Heath's family has. And she's decided she's going to go solve it. So she and Ella go to town. Jane goes to the bank and pays off the Bellingham's mortgage. Takes the deed to the house and has plans to hide it in their house where they can find it. And somehow they won't be able to figure out how that got there. And then there's this weird thing where she decides that her maid, Ella, needs a whole new wardrobe. And, oh, I won't need you as much now because I'm a pioneer woman. So you can find a husband and just work for me part time and it'll be great. And Ella's kind of like, um, okay, I I guess, Jane, I guess, my lady, if if that's what you want. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jane goes to visit Heath's family so that she can sneak the deed onto his desk in his office. And she thinks she's so clever and she goes home and she's very pleased with herself. But when Heath finds the deed later that night, he can smell her perfume and he knows it was Jane who dropped it off immediately. Uh-oh. And he's super mad that she paid off the mortgage behind his back. He's just really fucking pissed about it. What did you think about that whole situation? So him feeling pissed about it makes sense to me because it's like, this is my own damn business. Why are you sticking your nose where you don't belong without talking to me about it? Yep. Um, so that part makes sense. However, what he does then is he rides over to her house right away and yells at her about it. And then she says something like, well, this is no way to treat a lady and stalks off. And he and Christopher talk it out. And we learn a little bit about why he's so upset. He wouldn't be the main provider in that relationship with Jane because she's so fucking wealthy and he just wants to be needed or something like that. And then Christopher's like, no, she needs you for your manly stuff, not because of your money, dude. (laughs) Chill. But it's just, it made him seem like a little baby to me. Like he just seems super immature. Hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm so angry. And so I'm going to go over and confront you without even being civilized about it. He could come and confront her. And he could say, you know, I realize that you're the one who did this. And I want to know why. Yeah. And then listen to her explanation. And then say something like, I feel like you overstepped here because of blah, blah, blah. And now I feel indebted to you. And I don't like it. Or whatever his problem is. Right? Right. I think that would have been fine. I think she did overstep. Yeah. She doesn't realize it. She doesn't think about it that way because she's used to, well, I'm an aristocrat. I'm supposed to take care of the common people. Mm -hmm. And I like his family and I want them to be okay. So I'll take care of them. So she doesn't really think about it from his perspective. They definitely have this conflict of just cultural norms that isn't really addressed at all. 
he just yells at her and he's a total dick to her. I appreciated how Jane reacted. She's just like, well, screw this. I'm out. And then walks off. She's like, fuck you, Mm -hmm. dude, whatever. And then she sends her maid to go eavesdrop on their conversation so she knows what his thoughts are on the subject later. In a way, she kind of does handle it like a parent. Like, you're behaving poorly. I'm going to walk away until you can learn how to behave yourself. Yeah, she totally does. It really felt like that. And I mean, I guess I can get his his anger in the situation because, yeah, she definitely overstepped. And he has the whole American perspective. Like, I take care of my own shit and I deal with my own problems and I have to suffer my own consequences and I can't ask for handouts because that makes me weak. Mm-hmm. But Jane doesn't see it that way. She's like, well, I have like more money than God. And so I like you here. Let me help. Yeah. (laughs) But they don't really talk about the conflict that they have either at all. Like that's where it ends. Like that's, (laughs) that's the end of the conflict. She stalks out. She learns his, his reasoning because of her eavesdropping maid. And then she's just like, Oh, I feel bad for him. I get it. Aw, poor Heath. (laughs) Class warfare and it's not in your favor. I'm sorry. (laughs) And Heath leaves, and then they don't talk for three days. (laughs) And Jane's like, are we even courting anymore? I don't know what's going on. I guess I'll still go to the celebration. I'll go to the dance and see if he still wants me, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) She's pretty pregnant at this point. She's had to start wearing uh, differently cut clothing to accommodate for her growing belly and all that. Just keep that in mind. I don't actually know the norms of the time. I would think once you start showing, like, you're supposed to stay away from society. But of course, in the West, like in the American West, maybe the rules were different. She didn't have to enter her confinement. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, she's increasing, but no one gives a shit because they're in Nevada. (laughs) Yeah, but I wonder, like, at the time, like, would that still be something that they did in Nevada or in the American West? I wouldn't think so. At least the working class wouldn't, of course. That's true. And she's associating with the working class. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Maybe the rich people would, but she doesn't really talk to any of them. That's true. Yeah, I don't really know. And I guess she's decided it's fine. And it is. And go her. Exactly. (laughs) When she gets to the celebration, she realizes that Heath is going to be part of the bull riding competition. And this freaks her out because she doesn't want him to fall off a bull and get trampled and gored and killed. That's nice of her. She doesn't understand the whole rodeo mentality either. Like she's kind of freaked out watching the cowboys get bucked off a horse. I think the whole situation just feels like really unsafe. And why are they doing that? (laughs) Because it's fun. It's explained that it's about skill, but Jane is just, eh, I don't know. I I think it's still kind of dumb, though. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you can prove your skill in a different way. (laughs) (laughs) So she rushes to the bull riding and gets there just as Hank is on the bull. And he gets bucked off and she freaks out and runs into the ring and goes to check on him because she's worried about him and she doesn't realize or think about the situation 
and the bull sees her and goes to get her. Well, luckily, they get out of the way. Someone handles the bull. It's fine. (laughs) And then Heath is pissed off at Jane because he's like, what the heck is wrong with you? (laughs) Why would you do that? See, this is why. Why would you endanger yourself? (laughs) This is why she and Priscilla can't actually have a sit down because then she might not do things like that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. And apparently she needs to. I mean, Priscilla does explain some things, but yeah, I mean, covering potentially life-threatening dangers would be good. Yeah, you would think so. And there's a quote here that I want to read. So he's telling her off and Jane gets upset and she says, if it's stupid going near that bull, then why were you riding it? And he says, that's different. And she says, tell me how. And he says, it's a competition. You fell. You could have been hurt. You have to think about the baby now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, agreed. Yes. (laughs) However, they just had a big fight and then didn't talk for three days. And now they have another big fight. Heath is throwing a tantrum. And Jane is like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. And she leaves. She's like, I don't want to deal with him anymore. He can't make up his mind. He tells me I need to be a pioneer woman and toughen up so that the land won't kill me. And then he tells me, no, I need to be coddled and tucked away and be safe. I just don't know with him. I can't make him happy. Why am I interested in him? I don't know. I'm leaving. Fair. And she just is walking off by herself, pregnant lady, all alone. (laughs) And she gets accosted by Grayson. Because of course he found her. Of course. Because of all those loves. Yeah, he has the necklace that she used to purchase the land. He's like, yeah, this is how I tracked you down. I have your collar right here for you. (laughs) (laughs) Shush, you'll wake Jen. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, I gotta wow. keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Grayson pulls her into his carriage. He's gonna kidnap her. He's wondering whose baby that is that she's pregnant with. She's all, this is the future Duke. Thank you very much. You know that inheritance you thought you were getting? Well, bah. <laughs> I, I think he has plans. Like, he's gonna say it's his or something. Oh, I'm sure he's got plans. Gross plans. She ends up smacking him in the face like Heath had instructed her to do when men get frisky (laughs) and that surprises him and he lets go of her and she's considering jumping out of a moving carriage when she sees Heath riding up he's found them he lasses the horses pulling the carriage and gets it to stop and then Grayson and Heath have this whole like pissing contest no she's gonna marry me no Jane's marrying me she's mine no She's my woman. I had her first. Hiss. Back off. (laughs) And then Heath punches Grayson in the face, probably breaking his nose. And then Grayson demands a duel. How dare you lay hands on me, you common man. Heath agrees to the duel. Jane is like, oh no, it's happening again. Trauma flashbacks. (laughs) 
she looks around. She's like, where's Cuthbert? Slimy snake. So they're getting ready to duel and Jane goes off looking for Cuthbert, finds him hiding in a store, peeking out a window, and she picks up a frying pan from the store. I imagined cast iron, didn't you? Yes. And bashes him in the brain with it. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) This is not happening again, damn it. (laughs) That's one nice thing about cast iron. (laughs) And then she grabs his gun and hat and she's like, I'm going to put a stop to this. And she goes out and tells Grayson, look, you're in trouble because you're going to be going up against a crack shot. And look, Cuthbert's not here. (laughs) I love that she took the dude's hat, too. Like mine. I know. Trophy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess to prove it was Cuthbert. Probably. I like the idea of trophy better. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, me too. (laughs) And then Grayson gets all pissed off at her and he turns the gun on her and shoots her in the shoulder. And it's horrible. She falls down. Someone else shoots and kills Grayson. And we never really find out who it was. It was either Heath or Christopher. We also don't care. Let's be honest. (laughs) I mean, when you're right, you're right. (laughs) I do have those moments on occasion. Don't worry, guys. The baby's fine. Yay. Jane is fine. Everything's fine. And she and Heath love each other now. So it's all good. Woohoo. We get a time jump of five months. The baby's been born. It is a boy. The future Duke named Henry after his father. Jane decides she's going to raise him in Nevada until he's of a certain age so that he can handle the rigors of being Duke. Which is probably not the best decision for him, but, you know, she's mom. (laughs) She can make her choices. And Heath and Jane get married, and her whole family from England comes to see it. So, yay. Yay. And that's the end, except there's an additional chapter that kind of reads like the first chapter of book two. That's about Christopher and Priscilla. Oh, I didn't read that. The end. (laughs) You didn't miss anything. Okay. Yeah, I know. When I looked at the thing and I was like, really? Priscilla's like the next one? She's young. Ugh, whatever. That's how they did it back then. Not exclusively. Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stories have that sort of setup. I just wonder how much of that is like it was. We do like to imagine history differently. Sometimes. (laughs) So I can't ask about the audiobook because there wasn't one. Nope. In lieu of that conversation, I've come up with a list of complaints <laughs> that I will share now. Woohoo! Share away, Macduff. I think that this story had a lot of possible threads in it that never got pulled and woven in. It was kind of frustrating because when you're reading a book, or at least when I'm reading a book, I see these little seeds of information being sown and my brain goes, huh, I wonder where that will come up. I wonder when that will happen. (laughs) Ooh, foreshadowing. What's this? Yeah, you do that to me too. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And then when something happens with the thing, you get like a little, you know, a little dopamine hit. You get a little rush of serotonin or something. You're just like, Oh, look, see, I noticed the thing and then the thing happened. Go me. Yay. 
that didn't happen in this book. Yeah. One of the initial things about Jane's story is that she wants to breed racehorses and race them. She's really excited about it. She seems to be an accomplished horsewoman. She brings her prize stallion and mare to America with her. He has really distinctive markings, so much so that they dye his white fur brown before they board him on the ship to disguise him. But then nothing comes of any of that. (laughs) The reason that she was found had nothing to do with her horse. True. She does not raise the horses or think about the horses at all, really. Doesn't Grayson, like, get on a faster ship, too? They take a sail ship, but he gets on, like, a steamer or something. Yes. Which I thought was, like, okay. (laughs) She had to take, I think, a different ship because she wanted to be more covert or something. (laughs) Why she bothered, I have no idea. I mean, she made an attempt. (laughs) I guess. It's tricky because sometimes with characters, it's like, oh, they tried... Does it suspend my disbelief? Um, Maybe, maybe not. But sometimes when they try, it just seems more laughable. She could have even tried to have a conversation with her staff about it. Mm -hmm. But she didn't. She sort of did. I remember instances of her trying to not get referred to as Duchess or something. Yeah, that's true. Really, she should have done that before they left and certainly when they first arrived. And she should have made a point about it to Christopher because Christopher kind of reinforces all of that. Yeah. Because he's used to it. Yeah. He doesn't think about it, I guess. (laughs) I don't know why it took them until, quote unquote, the end of the book for those guys to catch up to them. I honestly was expecting it a lot sooner, especially since like Cuthbert gets hinted at maybe being in the area way early. Yeah. And then it's chapter after chapter of it not happening. And I'm going, is it going to get resolved? When it does, it just seems so random. It does. Were they just waiting to swoop in on her for her to be alone or something? It doesn't make any sense. They had other better opportunities. They really did. Quite inept. Maybe that's why it took them that long. And then there is... The question of why Grayson even wants to marry Jane. Yeah. <laughs> why, why does he care so much? We kind of made some guesses earlier in our conversation, but I don't know. Yeah, it's never really resolved satisfactorily. And then there's this other weird part at one point. She comes home and the staff are all upset. And it turns out there were a couple strangers that had come to visit that were interested in the land or wanted the land or something. And nothing comes of that. And I thought, well, that would have been a good place to have it be Grayson's men or something, you know, trying to figure out if that was Jane. That's what I thought. But yeah. But we don't know. Nothing happened with it. Speaking of the servants, there were these issues that were hinted at. So Jane brings her English staff with her and then there's existing staff at the house that she purchases and they stay on. And there's these hints that the two don't really get along or don't understand each other or there's some sort of culture clash, but nothing happens with that either. Also, (laughs) why is Jocelyn in this book? I don't know. Why is she a character? Why is she a thing? Is it supposed to make us feel sorry for Heath? Yes. 
I was thinking the book could go in the way where like, oh, Jane and Jocelyn form a relationship, which makes Heath like her. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. But that didn't happen. No, it did not. The closest thing is the scene where Jane protects her in the cold, in the dark, from freezing to death. But at that point, she and Heath are already friends and kind of into each other. Yeah. So I really don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. And then there's the whole thing with Jane's family. She has her brother, Christopher, who's amazing. And then she has her older brother that we don't know much about. And she has the younger brother who seems really sweet and everything. And then her dad remarried after her mom died to this woman named Charlotte, who sounds like just a awful human being. And the reason Jane didn't tell her dad and other brothers that she was leaving to Nevada in the first place was because she knew if her stepmom found out, she would be gleeful about Jane's problems and probably orchestrate her getting found or enable that to happen. Oh, don't worry, Charlotte. Jane will do that all on her own. She doesn't need your help. But we don't really know why she's like that or (laughs) why her dad married that woman or anything. And then when Jane gets married, she invites her whole family and they all come and it seems fine. Yeah, If memory serves, which I don't know because I'm trying to look it up right now while we're talking. I think Charlotte is the heroine in a future book. Huh. So was the author just trying to introduce like people? (laughs) Yes. I think she was trying to introduce people and conflict. Uh, the, the final item on my list is about the whole situation with Jane's son and how she decides to raise the future Duke <laughs> in Nevada until he's older. And then she's going to have her younger brother look over her estate or her son's estate, I guess, technically, until he's able to take it over himself. And then he won't know what he's doing because he's been in Nevada. Woohoo. Yes, that's exactly my point. <laughs> Way to set your son up for failure, Jane. Good but what job. do I use this fork for? He will be raised by Heath, a cowboy. That won't be weird for him at all. I mean, nothing is wrong with cowboys. I think cowboys are fine. But if he's going to be the Duke, which he is, you might want to set him up for success. Yeah, there'll be a whole world that he won't know anything about. And then he's going to step into it as an adult and just have to learn on the fly, I guess. He'll flip about like a dying fish out of water. All the people there will like know each other from like way back when. All these social connections that he won't have. (laughs) He won't have the Eton accent or whatever it is he's supposed to develop to fit in with the fancy people. Maybe he'll be in a future book probably oh goodness well anyway my point is is that there were a lot of things happening in this story that could have been used to make the story more rounded and interesting and multi-dimensional and instead just got left hanging yeah and i was just left with questions and a general feeling of bleh <laughs> You and me both, sister. Do you have anything to add to that before we move on? I mean, I would like to point out some of the things that I did like. 
Oh, good. Yes. Be positive. <laughs> I did like the historical things that were peppered in, like manufacturer names and things. Fashion of the time. And I did like how with the dialogue, you could tell who the characters were based on how they expressed themselves, which was appropriate given their backgrounds. Sometimes I questioned some of it, but I mean, for the most part, there was effort put in and I appreciate that. So I did like those things. I liked the setting and the idea of the culture clash. You know, I yeah, I always love a good culture clash. I wish there had been more clash, but that's fine. Not Perry, Perry, run away. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, are you happy for their happy? I don't know if they're happy. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I didn't feel they're happy. Not that that's an indication of anything necessarily, but I didn't get the impression they were particularly happy with their situation. So I'm like, well, if they're not, then I don't know why I have to be. If they're happy and they get what they want, then I feel like, you know, quest achieved, <laughs> you know, regardless of how I feel. I feel like they settled because of circumstances. Maybe they'll be happy. I don't know. I mean, their dynamic doesn't give me a lot of confidence. <laughs> Nothing really got resolved. Yeah. I don't feel like they communicated well, like you were saying. You know, I'm not inspired by she does a thing. He doesn't like it. He gets grumpy at her. They walk away. And then what? It's dinner time and they sit around the table and everything's fine. What about you? <laughs> Enough about me. I agree with you. I don't understand why they're together. Right before they get married, they have two arguments and she's in the frame of mind with, well, fuck him then. And <laughs> then they get married. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's one of the reasons like, I wanted to know, like, do you think she was in love with her husband at the beginning? No. And I don't. We're told that she's in love with Heath. So it's sort of like she's like, well, I wasn't in love with him and I married him. Here's a guy, he knows the lay of the land. Eh, my feelings. Survival, yay, let's get together. It'll be great. Plus he's hot, so at least he's got that going for him. Yeah. And she actually feels sexual attraction toward him. Yeah, maybe maybe with the third husband she'll feel sexual attraction and romantic inclinations or whatever. Because, <laughs> you know, life is hard in the West. And sometimes people <laughs> died. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not, like, I don't understand why they're together. I feel like she was fine. She bought some land in the West and she's a wealthy landowner now. She can breed her racehorses and be a badass bitch. She doesn't need him. <laughs> exactly. She really doesn't. He was right to be concerned. <laughs> that basically, yeah. Especially since... He provides no emotional support or anything like that. And if the bitching at her is emotional support, then I feel like she doesn't need that in her life. No. And I mean, frankly, she could be free to move back to England with her son later. Uh-huh. If she weren't married to Heath. Honestly, I kind of was expecting that. I was half expecting that. Because it's like, well, it's, he's the future Duke. He's got to go be raised in the dukedom, right? You would think. Nope. Okay, so he'll he'll lasso people when he goes home. That's great. <laughs> or back to England. <laughs> Howdy, lasso. <laughs> Is he even going to be happy 
moving back to England? I can't imagine he would, honestly. No, because his whole life would be in Nevada. Uh Uh-huh. He'll just uproot himself at whatever age. It's just terrible. Which, I mean, that's fine. Maybe maybe he'll learn to love it because he'll fall in love there and yada, yada, yada. I don't know his life. I'm not writing it. (laughs) But I just, I don't know. I don't feel like they belong together. I don't think they're good for each other. And I don't understand why they think they're in love with each other or why they got married or why they didn't even talk about their problems. Yeah. The main thing is if they had discussed their difficulties, a lot of that other stuff would get resolved. Yeah, it would. Or at least feel like it's resolved. At least we'd have a better understanding of where they stand. You know, maybe it's realistic that she didn't feel romantic love, but married him anyway. She's done it before. No, she loves him. We're told that she loves him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so let's rate them. Okay. <laughs> let's rate Jane, since we're talking about Jane. <laughs> How do you rate her? I did list her as awkward. But really, I feel like she's somewhere between, like, awkward and awesome. I felt like Jane was fine. I feel like the story made her second-guess herself, and that never got resolved. I don't feel like she was better at the end of the story than at the beginning. No, she was fine the whole way through. (laughs) I didn't really see an emotion arc for her or any kind of arc. Yeah, she got what she wanted. She got her, her ranch and... And all of that, so that's nice. And most of the points that she had when she and and Heath got in disagreements, I feel like she was correct. She didn't have to conform to his idea of anything. No. That irritated me, honestly, because, like, the whole thing where he, like, goes and drags her out of bed. That's where I was thinking, like, is she, like, we find out, oh, well, she's pregnant, she's tired. But at the time, I'm going, like, Was she depressed? Because, I mean, she may not have been in love with her husband, but she liked him. And he was a shield against the world for her. Yeah. And he was seemingly a good man. Exactly. He let her have her dowry and all that, so she may still have feelings. and Which is strange that I don't feel like I know the answers to these things. But it didn't seem clear in the story. So Keith goes up there, drags her out, flings her around like a sack of potatoes and is like, go forth and greet the day. (laughs) And I'm just like, uh, what the fuck? And later on, when they finally reconnect, she's like, thank you. And I'm like, is that your takeaway from that? (laughs) You're thanking him for mistreating you? He was teaching her a lesson. Okay, this just got awkward. I don't know. I don't get it. (laughs) whatever (laughs) so yeah awkward almost awesome but then made awkward i don't know what about you i rated her awesome i really liked jane (laughs) yay i thought she was great she was in a really tough situation with her limited world knowledge and skill set and all that she managed to figure out a plan to save herself take care of all the people who work for her and make it to Nevada in one piece, buy some land and be amazing. I wish that we just got a story of that. (laughs) You know, I want her raising some horses. Maybe she meets Heath at the rodeo or something. Yeah. 
So I would have been way cooler, honestly, because she's, she's got it, man. She has no problems. She's got it handled. She's going to be fine. And if she gets in trouble, she can just throw money at it. Yep. <laughs> I enjoyed her. I agree with you that she didn't really have much of a growth arc. She really didn't. As far as like her personal character and whatnot. But I guess she kind of did. In a, I, I think she was in learning mode. Yeah, that makes sense. Throughout the story. And so I give her credit for that. I think that after she finds her footing in Nevada, she can very well have all the growth arcs that she wants. It'd be great. If she weren't saddled to Heath, um, she would be better off. <laughs> I think you're right to to bring up the point of like him ripping her out of bed and her thanking him for it later. I think that that's a valid concern. But I kind of chalked it up to her just thinking about things differently. Like, oh, I'm surrounded by people who are essentially yes, yes persons. Yes. They're not going to tell me boo if I'm wrong. It doesn't matter. They're going to pretend I'm right. And so maybe she's thanking him for that, for his honesty and willingness to say, hey, you know what? That's not how we do it here. And she wants to learn how to do it there. She wants to be a self-reliant pioneer woman. Yeah. So, I mean, he's essentially helping her with her goal, even though he's not doing it in a great way. <laughs> I wish she'd given him a tongue lashing and then said something like, but thank you for pointing it out, you know? Yes. Or maybe he could have handled it differently. Like maybe he could have told her about his dead wife and how she never transitioned fully to living in the country. Like he tells her later. And relate that to how he's worried about her doing the same because of the sleeping and all that. And yeah. it could have been an actual meaningful conversation between the two of them. And maybe they could have gotten closer due to that because he's opened up to her, basically a complete stranger, but he's concerned about her. And then she realizes, oh, wow, what a cool guy. He cares about me. He wants me to succeed. That's amazing. And it could have gone from there maybe instead of him just being mad and throwing a little baby tantrum <laughs> yes like he's legit scary he's mad and he's self-physical like ew yeah get away from me Ugh. on that note how do you rate heath ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know i put him as awkward but at times he was just awful he's somewhere on that spectrum Awkful. Yeah. I just, I couldn't with him a lot of the time. It was a coin toss when they were interacting. It's like, oh, is this going to be another one where he lectures her? <laughs> so she wants to learn how to quote unquote be in the West. Fine. That's great. Also take into account there's more than one way to be in the West. But she wants to learn how the, the locals do it. Fine. Or a, a certain group of locals. Fine. Whatever. But yeah, I mean, is that how he teaches people how to behave or about the norms or whatever? How would he feel if a man did that to his daughter? Yeah, I don't know. You know, 15, 20 years in the future. How would he feel? I don't know. It'd be interesting. I mean, granted, you should respect someone's bodily autonomy, whether or not you have a daughter. But yes, <laughs> you'd think he'd find it easier to relate. Due to the daughter. Maybe that's the moment he'll learn, oh, perhaps I have been going about this not right. 
Great. That's the moment. <laughs> All those years in the future. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that he didn't sometimes, I think, have valid points, but the way he would express those points was not great. Like when they found that miner on the property that was not paying her rent. Granted, she's just like, this is fine. He's fine. I'm like, you're not at all thinking he might be a threat. <laughs> she's a duchess. She can handle it. You're really chill, Jane. A little scary chill. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was just like one hair's breadth away from overreacting all the time. And then when he finally does open up, it's pulling teeth. And then it's to Christopher, not to her. Right. Another man. Okay, dude. Fine. Good thing Jane has spies. Yeah, that's the only way she found out. It's not because you want to make yourself emotionally available to her or anything. Why would he do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What about you? <laughs> How do you ranketh the heatheth? Oh, he's awful. He's so awful. <laughs> I agree with basically everything you said. And then to add on to that, Anytime he tried to be kind of gallant or, or cool or whatever, he still was overstepping. Yeah. Like he kept grabbing her arm and putting it on his. And it's like, oh, wow, man. Is consent not a thing for you? I <laughs> nope. He knows better. <laughs> uh, he really bothered me. He was the type of guy who couldn't handle being wrong and was beating himself up over the whole money thing mismanagement or i don't even know if it was mismanagement he was beating himself up over the whole money problems his ranch was having and he's just all stuck in his head and everything but then the second jane shows up he's like oh well i'll just spend all my time hanging out with jane instead it's fine the ranch will be fine don't worry about it i, I will show her the ropes it'll be great he has all this free time to like pal around with christopher and show him how to be a real cowboy he seemed to like Christopher a lot more than he liked Jane. Well, yeah. Christopher was doing stuff the way he thought things should be done. Hmm. Jane was sleeping. How dare she? Let the fucking pregnant woman sleep. Like, the <laughs> second she started getting sick on the ship ride over, I'm like, oh, she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> of course she is. Of course she is. And so that just added, like, a whole extra layer of anger when he throws her out of bed and, like, rips the curtains down and all this. I'm like, let the pregnant woman sleep, man. What is your problem? <laughs> now, granted, no one knew at that point or suspected, but, ugh, it's awful. Yes, I agree. And then he never even asks her to marry him. The whole scene at the end between him and Grayson, no, I'm going to marry her. No, me. She's mine. I've marked her first. <laughs> no, Jane belongs to me. I've been investing all this time on an energy in her instead of my ranch. So many lectures. Ugh. And that's how they get engaged? Is that? Because <laughs> there was no proposal. There was no, like, you know, at the end, he's like, is that okay? No, none of that. Uh-uh. <laughs> And then when she gets shot, I mean, usually in historicals, when someone gets shot, you get like a nice, you, you get a nice moment where the other character has to care for the shot individual. Uh-huh. And it builds like intimacy and closeness and trust and all that. And we didn't get any of that. It's like, oh, she's shot. But she's better now because it's five months later. 
Yeah, that would mean he would actually have to show something like caring. And maybe he just can't do it. I'm just so not impressed with him. Like, he's just a loser. He's a loser cowboy who's bad with money and has a lot of baggage. Why does Jane want him again? I don't know. Maybe she thinks she has to be married? She can marry someone else. I don't disagree. Literally, the only thing Heath has going for him is that Christopher thinks he's cool. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) I'm not feeling it. I'm just not. And I can't remember his name. I keep trying to say Hank or Henry or some other H name. I think you did. No, never mind. I may have. I don't know. I can't be bothered to know. (laughs) It's okay to say that because he's fictional. Yeah, it's so weird because like, it's not like Keith won every competition or anything like that, which often happens in in romances. Yeah. Dude, so awesome. He wins at everything. And I like that he didn't win at everything. And I, uh, I'm so conflicted. Like, I like that he didn't win at everything. I like that he, he made mistakes, like with the money and admitted that he didn't know, like, if I can't bring the money, then am I even useful? Like, those are great things. But the way they were handled in the story and the way Heath handled them in general just did not inspire connection with him or rooting for him or anything. No, I have no confidence in his ability to adult. No, no confidence. I agree. I think that's the issue. I think you're right. I think all those things would be great and lead to a well-rounded, interesting character if they had some good qualities, too. Yeah, I mean, it's great in a story (laughs) where characters fail. Yeah. That does a lot for the reader. Like, it gives the reader a chance to connect because everybody has had failures in life. And then you can go, oh, poor, you know, poor buddy. Yeah, and feel bad for him. Exactly. And relate. It makes them relatable. Unless I'm supposed to relate to Heath's darker side. We don't get any ability to relate to that either because we don't really have a good understanding of his motivations at all. This is true. Why does he have anger issues? Because life is hard. His brothers don't have anger issues. That we know of yet. I'm sure when they're the heroes of their stories, they'll also have anger issues. Plus, anger is like, <laughs> you know, it's the, the thing men can feel. That's the one emotion available to the men. Yeah, which is not true in real life. But if you look at fiction, they're allowed to feel angry and hit things. Yep. Okay. What about the villains or antagonists? Okay, so... I have a relatively short list, which this won't surprise you, but Heath is at the top of it. (laughs) Just, I couldn't with him. (laughs) He was an obstacle in a lot of ways for Jane. Apparently, she likes having obstacles strapped around her neck, but whatever you're into. Then there's Cuthbert, who I felt was effective. I mean, it's weird, because like, I feel like he did his job. It's just his job was to be the bad guy and there wasn't much call for that. Like at the very beginning and the very end of the story, otherwise, eh. I mean, he found her, but she didn't make it hard. So good job, buddy. (laughs) Grayson is less effective. And that's mainly because I don't know why he wants to be so creepy. (laughs) If I knew why... You know, is is it she's the possession and he has to have all the cool toys that his older brother did? If the pregnancy could have gotten out, then it's like, oh, well, I have to kill the heir. 
because that's a threat to me owning all the things. That would have made sense, but it wasn't a thing. I mean, he's creepy. Yeah. I mean, it's effective, but it it doesn't happen a whole lot because he's mostly not there. Although it does take like a lot of chapters for the story to get going. I think the most effective villain was Heath. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? Lay it on me. (laughs) I put Cusper. I didn't think he was super effective because he's just... You said he was just doing his job. Well, yeah, he was. He was hired by Grayson (laughs) to be his crony and then shoot at guys when Grayson wants him to. He's not even really necessarily a bad guy. I mean, kind of ethically questionable, I guess, but he's just doing his job. Yeah, he croned successfully. Yeah, I mean, okay, fine. And... He pops up here and there, maybe, we don't know, and that could have been creepy if we had had more of that. Grayson, I also put as not very effective. I think that he was effective at the beginning. Yes. Because he set the whole story in motion. He freaked her out enough that she's like, actually, no, I can't be here. There's a few little seeds sown here and there throughout the story about how he's just kind of bang creepy the whole time she's known him but there's no sense of danger or trepidation or anxiety or anything about him discovering where she is it's like all of a sudden he's there yeah and once he's there he's effective again because he's like taunting her about how he got the necklace and she said oh you didn't hurt her did you and he goes you'll never know but if i did it's your fault I thought that was great. That was awesome villainness. <laughs> awesome villainy. But he just wasn't there the rest of the time. And we didn't miss him. And that's a problem. Yeah, I was expecting him to turn up much earlier than he did. And just sort of be there. Like, get a get a place at the hotel and just kind of turn up at things. And just kind of be there and, like, be creepy in a corner and stare at her and, you know... Wouldn't have been great if he had approached Heath and Heath didn't know who he was. Yeah. I mean, something like that would have been awesome. Or what if he, like, started courting one of Heath's sisters? (gasps) Yes. I mean, there's so many ways he could have been more present and, like, horrible in the story. Mm -hmm. And just wasn't. So not very effective overall. Effective when present. And I didn't put Heath, but I agree. I mean, he was antagonistic to me, for sure. He's pretty effective at that. (laughs) I don't know that he was very effective as an antagonist to Jane, because she doesn't really see it that way. Yeah, that's true. She's doing her own Jane thing, and he can come along for the ride if he wants, which I love her for. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of effective villainy in this book, unfortunately. How did you rate the book? Well, I gave the book a two. Because, yeah. I read it. I finished it. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) What about you? I also rated it a two. Oh, twinsies. Yeah, I thought it was going to be at least a three when I started it. I was enjoying you seem to think it took a little longer, but I was kind of enjoying the the build up and the 
the way the story was being told initially and the little hints here and there, like, oh, the horse and oh, the this and the that and and everything. I thought, that, oh, that's great. Her servants are coming. That will be interesting. None of the stuff I wanted happened. Yeah. So I was just kind of frustrated that it didn't happen. And then it wasn't really replaced with anything else. Yeah, I agree with you that I, I feel like it started off better. Well, there was pressure. There were stakes. You know, there was tension. Yeah. And then once she leaves England and they're just floating around. Then I was sort of like, once they left England, I was like, and now they're in a, in Nevada. And it just took them so long to get there. Yep. Because again, I mean, I know I'm reading a romance. So I'm like, okay, and the hero comes in now. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> and the hero comes in now. Not yet. All right. <laughs> when is he arriving? Like, I literally like did the thing where I scroll. I'm like, where is he? <laughs> because <laughs> i was curious and then even when he's there is chapter five right so he's introduced in chapter five and i'm like okay and then they meet not yet all right and then they meet now <laughs> nope yeah and again i did the scrolly thing where i'm just like okay where are both of their names in the same paragraph like where <laughs> when does this happen <laughs> and then it's like chapter eight <laughs> i'm like okay uh, it, it depends, because some, some stories can handle that. They have ways of maintaining tensions or creating intrigue along the way. But when those things aren't there, and you're like, okay, but, but I bought a ticket for this part of the show. <laughs> when is that happening? <laughs> when, when, when on the roller coaster do we go upside down? Because that, that's why I bought the ticket. Are you telling me that this... It feels like this cult roller coaster does not go upside down at all. <laughs> Is this not an upside down ride? Exactly. <laughs> you know, not that I still can't I have fun this on the was ride. The upside down I just... Ride. I, I would have known that going in. <laughs> so, expectation management. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, true. It was frustrating because I did like Jane. I didn't necessarily like her interactions with Heath, but I like Jane. Yeah, she was great. I don't think it's good when, in a story, when the hero does start to come around and you're like, or you could just not. <laughs> you know, we were doing fine without you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Five chapters, was it? <laughs> Everything was fine. I, I feel like we should go back now. Yeah, no, there's so many other ways that Heath could have gotten introduced that would have been better. The introduction was fine. It was how Heath decided to behave well yeah that too i mean that's that's the problem i had well that's how i mean he behaved during the introduction the way he behaves throughout the book but you can have introductions i mean that's that's part of a lot of tropes right is the the bad introduction oh yeah i guess so you know the the misbehaving on initial meeting for whatever reason but then once they get to know each other they realize you know oh no they weren't really being a butthole or there are reasons for their buttholery that, oh, I'm more empathetic to now. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't happen with Heath. It's like, no, no, butthole is his norm. <laughs> butthole all the way. Exactly. Nothing but butthole. <laughs> Which is why it's like, when they're suddenly married, you're going, all right, well, she must be into butthole. Cause... <laughs> 
Ew. Because <laughs> he doesn't improve. <laughs> no. He has no reason to. No, he can emotionally open up to Christopher. <laughs> and she can have spies. And it's fine. Like, that's their dynamic. <laughs> They're here for it. <laughs> it's just weird to me. Hey, it works for them. Exactly, I guess. Well, did you feel romanced? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. And I'm sad about it. I'm crying. I haven't felt romanced in a while. I need a good one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this was this was another of those stories where I was just like, romance where? What is this? Why are we reading this for the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> we must have seen something in the in the summary that intrigued us enough to put it on the list. I thought this was a romance book podcast. <laughs> oh, it's because it was compared with Pride and Prejudice. It was Pride oh, and Prejudice well. in the West sort of thing. Oh. I guess yeah. she's supposed to be Darcy. Uh, where was the Darcy? There was no Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like socially awkward, right? And she's got money. And she... No, she's not socially awkward at all. She's... Well, by Been their standards, to be by, their, by Nevada <laughs> standard there, wow, that came out excellently. But by the, their local standard, she is weird. I guess. Everyone is weird somewhere. Some people are just more weird, more places. I don't like it. Which makes him Elizabeth. No. <laughs> if she's Darcy, then he's got to be Elizabeth. Unless... No! We're... we're interpreting Pride and Prejudice very differently and Darcy ends up with somebody else. I wish they did in this case. <laughs> Darcy ends up with Wickham. <laughs> At least Wickham was interesting. This is true. Unlike Heath. <sighs> Were you romanced? No. <laughs> no ma'am. Oh well. Maybe next time. What else have you been reading? Well, I read The Beauty and the Moustache by Penny Reed. Ooh, another Penny Reed. Uh-huh. So it's it's not the last in the Knitting in the City series, but it's the crossover. Was it the Winston Brothers? I really should know this. <laughs> yes. Yep. The Winston Brothers series. Yeah. So it's the tie-in book, which I waited because you actually can read those books individually. Like, you don't need to read the series from start to finish. I don't know. I just preferred waiting to read that one before I start the Brothers series. Anyway, so this one's about Ashley and she goes home to Tennessee to deal with family stuff and gets to meet Drew or re-meet Drew, who is a friend of her brother's and lucky her, a pain in her behind. So she gets to have that. But I ran away to the city because I wanted to escape. Do I still feel like I need to escape? Or do I want to be in Tennessee? Do I want to learn how to play nice? I don't know if I do. <laughs> so, yeah, I do like Penny Reed. She does good work. What about you? What have you been reading? I recently finished Leech by Hiran Ennis. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. It is a kind of like a gothic horror sci-fi sort of book. It's really interesting. It's really creepy. 
Uh, content warning for body horror if people are sensitive to that. The story takes place in this isolated chateau. It's the middle of winter and it's run by this creepy barren guy who needs to have a doctor on staff. And in this world, all the doctors have been taken over by this parasite that is one entity that controls multiple bodies. Okay. Interesting. No one knows that <laughs> except the parasite itself, obviously. Oh, okay. And it's from the point of view of the parasite in the body of the Baron's new doctor. Huh. All right. Well, there's a mystery. The prior doctor, prior body, has died. And our main character is trying to figure out how this body died and discovers a different parasite. And oh no, now we have the battle of the parasites. <gasps> Who will win? <laughs> Da, da, da. Not the people, not the humans. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe the humans. Who knows? <laughs> One of the cool things about this book is that when it starts, it reads almost like a historical sort of setting. You know, you got the chateau, you got the baron, you've got kind of like a steampunk sort of era vibe huh. going on. Uh-huh. I do like me some steampunk. But you get, like, all these hints that maybe this is, like, a colony on another planet or something. Oh. Maybe. Okay. Possibly. And then you get, like, these other hints that maybe, like, technology did that thing where it went backwards, you know, due to lack of knowledge and supplies and who knows what. Okay. And... You also have this interesting introduction of, I guess, aliens, but they're not called aliens. They're called something else. And everybody in this book is referred to as a as a person, like a human. Just some of them have gray skin and tails, apparently. Oh, and I love like that. And they're like a lower class. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff in this story like i think you could read it again and learn a bunch of new stuff i love when you can do that with a story and it has so many layers and it's just really creepy it really captures like that claustrophobic gothic horror sort of vibe along with like these sci-fi type of elements is it an audiobook do you know this yes <gasps> Ooh. yes it is Side note, another really cool thing about this book is it kind of has like a gender bendy queer sort of element to it as well. I don't know. It was really cool. It sounds cool. I loved this book. This is possibly the best book I've read this year so far. Just a whole new interesting thing written in a way that I hadn't read in a long time and just really enjoyed I like this description of, of that book. So another author, Tamsin Muir, called it, uh, Think Wuthering Heights with Worms. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, that concludes today's episode. 
sorry we've had three books we didn't like in a row. Hopefully the next one will be better. But yeah, that wasn't uh, intentional. <laughs> We're just lucky, I guess. <laughs> uh, check out our website, oh, romancebepodcast.com, for our social media links, show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or subscribe to our socials. That was awkward, <laughs> but I'm going to keep it. I love you for the awkward. Speaking of awkward, it's my turn. Um, were you romanced by Jane and Heath's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Husband Material by Alexis Hall. I hope it's good, because we liked the first one. We did. I'm looking forward to the accents. What's that mean? Is it a Hercules meme where it's like, disappointed? <laughs> I don't think I've seen that meme before. But I, oh. can, I feel like I relate to it at this moment. <laughs> Google Hercules disappointed me. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs>